This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I think we knew they will come and they will try to give everything to win the game. So just in our head, um, we have to give uh, 100% as well. We need to dominate the game. I think we, we did it. As a team, I think we, from, the, from the beginning, we just tried to play our football. We just tried to, 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 to get the ball in between the lines. And I think we did that and tried to keep the ball as long as we could to create more chances. And I think we were lucky to do that in the first half and we scored from that. Uh, to be fair, as much as the team keep winning, I'm, I'm more than happy. So I'm always trying to, to give assist. Uh, first one, I could go alone, but I'll give it to Nabi. So. <laughs> I think I'm trying always to give to, to, to give my best for the team to win, which is uh, which is the most important thing. I think if we win the Premier League two years ago. We know we know how it takes. So it's it's still one game. You, of course, we win away. You win away against uh, Man United. It's something really big, but still, in the end of the day, it's three points. So we need to focus on our things uh, in the cup. Then we focus in the, in the Premier League next day. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Mo Salah speaking after scoring for the 10th successive match, bagging a hat-trick at Old Trafford in Sunday's horror show. Well, not horror show if you're a Liverpool fan listening, of course. It is Monday evening. It's me, Ross. Thanks for joining me. This is Off the Ball with Arvin Sidhu. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. I think Man United fans are probably feeling Halloween has come one week too early. It's, it's, it's been here for a while, Alvin. It's been here for a while. Cam Roslan is also here. Hello, Cam. How are you, Ross? How are you? Uh, as you can see, I'm, I'm, I found myself in a nice little spot to chill. Look, look at that picture oh, that, that follows the podcast. You know what I mean. Uh, Craig Wilkie joins us as well. Of course, Craig Wilkie is happy. He's even had his hair cut. Hello, Craig. Good evening, Ross. I just think it's commendable that you've turned up to work today after your team didn't yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Let's get into it then, shall we? Uh, remember, you can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. We've got fantasy football tips every week on our page, thanks to the Banger Committee. And if you take part in our fantasy football league, this season's BFM League is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Right then, Man United nil, Cam Razlan, Liverpool 5. Cam, let's let's get a reaction of of you first because you're a supporter of neither club. Um, What what, what were your your reactions watching the debacle? Well, I I think I speak for many people when I say I'm deeply disappointed with Liverpool uh, because they, uh, they only scored five goals. And in the second half, they clearly were just were okay with that, which I found very disappointing. And also, although Mohamed Salah scored a hat-trick, none of those goals were contenders for goal of the season. And this is, quite frankly, not good enough. Uh, but then again, none of their goals needed to be goal of the season because United were absolutely awful. They were... It, it was a bit of this... Defending, but then there was a bit of pressing and uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of clustering around the ball, leaving empty spaces somewhere else. It was um, one of the most disorganized uh, performances I've seen from any team. bit like the clustering audio that we just heard from Cam there. I, I think oh, he sorry. said that United weren't very good. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, Arvin, c- c- is, there any, is, is there anything you can say in, in, in Ole's defense, in Man United's defense? I mean, there's half a billion spent on, on this squad of players. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's all too often now. We we sit here on a Monday after a game, and and we we come up, try and come up with excuses for millionaire footballers and stuff. I mean, is there anything you can say in their defense, really? No, I think Ole. Anything Ole got right on the day was he summed it up well at the end of the match by saying it was the darkest day he has had since managing Man United because it was it was an absolutely dark day. The fans will take a long time to recover from this. I hear it in. If I speak to, I hear it in your voice today morning, Ross. It will take a long time for fans to get, get across this. Uh, David De Gea said as well, they played like kids. Harry Maguire, for me, is, 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 a, is a big disappointment on the pitch and off the pitch. We know what he's had with his off antics in Greece and such. He came out of the press conference at the end of the match and he said, I'm not really sure why I'm here. I'm here because I have to be here. You're the captain of the football team. You have an obligation to give to stand up and say what's gone wrong, what would we do better about it? To come up with weak excuses like that, 
for me, there's something fundamentally wrong. I honestly think, in terms of if you're playing fantasy football, I think if there's a, there's a chat, there's a stat for the defender that gives the most goals for strikers, Harry Maguire will be top of the, that list. Uh, Lindelof I, I... was abysmal. Scott McTominay just was overrun by midfielders who are far superior than him. And for me, there were just a lot of moments in that match that kind of summarize if this is going to be the end of Ole, the face of Ferguson at the end of it. Jesse Lingard getting shouted off by fans and him saying, I'm not on the pitch. There's not much I can do about this. So it was just an absolute horror show for Man United. Um, I'll be surprised if Ole survives this because it's coming on one too many. But let's not take away the fact that Ole has done an okay job for Man United. It's just that at this level, he can't take them further than where they need to be. Uh, do you know what? That's a Leeds United fan there, probably putting it in, in a very succinct nutshell for, for Man United there. But, I mean, take nothing away from Liverpool. Craig Wilkie, Liverpool emphasised the vast gulf in football know-how between these two sides. Uh, um, what else can you say about Mo Salah? That one season wonder's done all right for a few years now, hasn't he? Oh, he certainly has. Uh, as you say, Ross, the, the gulf, uh, I think, has come as a surprise to us all. And, and that's, that's on both sides. Liverpool, who last season, as we know, struggled a lot, partly through injury, but have been getting back towards their best this season. And Manchester United, who must have started the season with a lot of optimism, now found themselves you know, in all sorts of trouble. But the craziest thing about the game in some respects was that Liverpool were good. They were very good at times. But I don't believe Liverpool were at their best. I think this was an 80-85% Liverpool performance and they were able to win it that comfortably. They were able to dominate the midfield so comfortably. And then Salah, as you say, just continues to astonish with the levels that he's taken his game to. And we talk so often about confidence and, and football really is a confidence game. And when you've got a player who has that much belief in himself, who every single time he picks up the ball in and around the penalty area now, he just backs himself to score. And as Cam said, maybe they weren't goal of the season contenders, but everyone was taken with such composure. He just knew exactly what he was going to do as soon as he found that little bit of space. And he's becoming almost impossible for defenders to play against. Would you, I mean, pay, him for, would you pay him 400 grand a week? Supposedly, that's what, he's, uh, that's what the press say I, he wants. I would I'd give him, him a lot 800 of grand a week, really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, he's, it, it, it's a high demand that he's making, but it's some very high-level performances he's putting in in order to justify them. And when you've got a player who's playing at that level, playing, playing with so much confidence, then you're going you're gonna to make it easy for yourself in games. And I just look at Liverpool across the entire part. You know, defensively, they look solid without really being tested all that much. You know, the fullbacks, again, were getting forward more like we've been used to seeing from them in, in recent seasons. Midfield was very solid. You know, nothing particularly spectacular in what Henderson was doing. Keita, I thought, had one of his better games that we've seen in the Liverpool jersey. And then when you've got Salah in that form up front, you're always going to cause, cause teams problems. But as the guys have said, Manchester United caused so many problems for themselves. Yeah. You know, without, without Liverpool even, even having to do all of that much at times. And I think what Klopp will be so delighted about was okay, you're going, you're going at halftime 4-0 up. The team talk was all about, don't take your foot off the gas. Go out there. You expect a reaction from Manchester United. Go out there and stamp your authority on the game again. They got that goal early in the second half. And as soon as that happened, then the great thing for Klopp was, you know, as Liverpool fans, we were saying, you know, come on, let's make it seven or make it eight. He would have been delighted to just play the game out the way it was. Take it easy. You know, make sure the players saved a bit of energy. Nobody got, you know, booked. Nobody got injured. So you could just, just kind of play, you know, a bit of keep ball, and especially after Pogba got sent off. So Klopp will be absolutely delighted with how that 90 minutes went, the whole thing. Liverpool literally saw out the final 40 minutes at practice game pace. I think after Pogba's silly challenge, they probably thought, we're not going to risk any injury here. We'll just see it out, and, and, and rightly so. Uh, exactly. And you know what? Ronaldo probably should have seen red as well. Because um, that was a silly, silly, silly challenge. Um, yeah, will will there be repercussions? Uh, all eyes on on the United hierarchy now. Um, Ole is certainly not going to walk away from from the job. So yeah, are we going to see more of this? Uh, pff, who knows? The season's only ten games old. <laughs> so much more to talk about. Let's talk about the team. 
top of the table and they showed it. Chelsea 7, Norwich City 0. Cam, we, we came into this on, on the Friday show saying, do you know what? Chelsea are going into this without Lukaku and Timo Werner. But the guys were confident they didn't actually need a striker for the biggest scoreline on the weekend. And hey, presto, 7-0. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a real um, uh, great thing for those people who believe in the uh, the, the, the strikerless uh, setup. I, I mean, you've got this one second uh, in our lineup. I'm not really sure how much we can learn from it. Norwich are really very bad. But uh, for me, what was interesting was that all the goal scorers uh, were English, which is kind of rare <laughs> uh, and also it was nice to see um the referee adhering to the new fifa directive to allow an england penalty taker two chances at taking a penalty because <laughs> they they need at least two to have a go but um you know the the, the players who stepped up uh, were very good but uh the opposition really i don't know i i would hope that they would score at least this many so, so Callum Hudson-Odoi then, Arvin, only needs another 249 good games to be a Chelsea regular because Thomas Tuchel said if he plays 200, if he's consistent for 250 games, then he, he was good. He was good. He, he, a lot was said when, when the two injuries came out. Oh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, chance for him to step up. You can see there's obviously something there in the player, can't you? Yes. And let's not keep let's not forget that this was a player that before he re-signed with Chelsea was coveted by Bayern Munich a couple of seasons ago. They they had got multiple bids, they wanted to bring him over. So he's obviously got something in his locker and he shows it. The good thing about Thomas Tuchel is that he's not afraid of big names. He will take players off if he feels that the reserves are doing better, the lesser known players are, are performing in training. And they they show it on the pitch. So for me that's a, a, a sign of a really, really good manager. I just thought, found it really funny that at the start of this game, the commentator had said that if this is, wasn't a contest, we shouldn't even bother to be here because literally it just it just wasn't a contest at all. And at one point, I think the, the, the Norwich fans were online were making fun and saying that we should stop the mount because instead of stop the count, because Mason Mount had got three goals. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just think it, Norwich, I, I feel it's come to a point now that it just seems every season they and Fulham kind of swap places on and off. Every season they do it. But it's come to a point that if it comes to 10 games and you score two goals, how do you ever expect to survive this division? They've got a big game this weekend on Sunday against Leeds. That's going to be huge for them. But if they don't make it through, or they don't at least get a draw, get something out of that, I could see Daniel Parker being let go. Because what, what is the direction? Do they feel that they need to go back down again and come back up again and, and survive on those parachute-type payments and the promotion payments? Is that the model that they want to work with? But some of their players, just Grant Hanley, no way he's going to keep you in the division. Ozan Kabak got relegated with Schalke. One of the biggest mysteries for me is how did Liverpool take Ozan Kabak on loan? I could never understand that because he's absolutely horrendous. With those two at the back, they've got relegation written all over them, no matter who comes in. So, tough times, but it's sort of three points for everyone every weekend when it comes to Norwich, really. Yeah, uh, poor old Norwich, uh, winless after 10 now. And and yeah, the Daniel Farker project, you can't see what the... A bit like the Ole project going on at Old Trafford. Let's let's move on. Let's move on and, and talk about Man City because they, like Liverpool, are motoring along nicely. Phil Foden played in that false nine role this weekend, Craig Wilkie, and yet again laid on a sumptuous pass. Um, the guy, the guy can, the kid can play football, can't he, Phil Foden? Oh, he really can. He, every time I watch him play, he just impresses me more. And one of the things that's so impressive about him is is that versatility. You know, he's he's a real traditional Ajax kind of a player. You know, you could imagine him playing on. You could play it right back, and he would he would do the job, and he would bring creativity from that position and the way he's developed his game to play as a false nine he can sit deeper in midfield and play make from there almost like a peer low he can go box to box he's got everything and and he does it with so much composure but you know Gary Neville made a really interesting point after the Manchester United game he said look at the talent in that Manchester City side and look how hard they work mm -hmm. look how hard Phil Foden Bernardo Silva are working off the ball to win back possession or to create space for their teammates. And that's the difference in attitude and mentality. You can have all the talent in the world, but you've still got to turn up at a place like Brighton and you've got to work your socks off. You've got to earn the right to go and play 
and show that quality that you have. And and City did that from the first minute. And and it wasn't an easy game, by the way, because because Brighton were in it for for long spells. Yeah. They they just they just got undone by by some of that quality that City have in and around the box. And and the other thing is that one thing that's that's really impressive about City right now is that all those players there doesn't seem to be a lot of ego. Players are coming in and out of the team. Players are getting chopped around in terms of different positions, but they're just accepting that. You don't hear a lot of grumblings. Maybe the Sterling situation is the one slightly dark cloud, but otherwise, you know, those players are just getting on with the job. You know, Jesus has moved out wide and, and put in a great shift every time he plays out there. And everybody just looks comfortable. And, and we talk about managers and systems. You know, we just discussed Chelsea, right? Tuchel can bring in any first 11 he wants and they know how the manager wants them to play. It's the same with Pep. He can he can afford to change his team around because the system is in place for for how that group of players is supposed to approach the game, and you could see that at Brighton and and City were were really comfortable winners in the end. Yeah, for Brighton, it's just um, well they showed why they actually went into the weekend in the top four. They're a good footballing side, and and it's important that they just get over this one because they were just up against superior footballers, and and sometimes you just hold your hands up. Like Ole and United, are you taking note? Are you listening? Um, yeah, just hold your hands up sometimes and just say, you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll be back after this break. Uh. Here is the battle, which above and beyond all others is not for losing. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. That's a brilliant goal. Cool as you like. That's the finish of a man who scored 15 or 20 for the last couple of campaigns. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Ross here on the Monday Night Show. Off the ball with Kamraslan, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Wilkie. Looking back at game week, what was it? Game week nine uh, over the weekend or game week 10. God damn, the weekend that just finished. <laughs> we, we've spoken about United. We've spoken uh, or rather... Chelsea's ominous 7-0 win, Liverpool's very strong 5-0, and, and City hitting four at Brighton. The top three starting to take shape already as the season what, edges to a quarter done. Uh, Everton had high hopes of, of putting themselves in that higher part of the table. Uh, they looked good for most parts of this game. They were 2-1 up against Watford. You thought, you know... Yeah, Charleston coming back, getting himself on the on the score sheet. But but this is this is Watford managed by Claudio Ranieri. It's a it's a whole different ball game. The Watford managerial system and, and what they do there. You you let one in, you let five in one week against you know good opposition, then you go away, play good opposition, another Liverpool side, and score five. Cam, can you explain this? No, I I had real trouble. I have real trouble trying to process this match. I mean, if if uh, Everton concede four goals in essentially the last ten minutes, uh, Rafa Benitez team, uh, that he must be absolutely furious. But what I what I think would happen would that he will do something about it. He will he will find out the problem. He will work on it because defense is so important to him, and you can see Everton uh, improving as a consequence of, of a match, or a result like this. Unlike, of course, you know, some other teams, Ross. But uh, it's, um, I don't know what it means, because they Watford got smashed five goals last week. They put five goals past Everton this week. Does this mean that Everton is worse than Watford and very terrible? I don't know. They, they, they're good, and they shouldn't be conceding this many goals. But I, I can see Benitez working on this. We're seeing an Everton side that that's that's struggling with the with the quality of the squad that they have. The, the actual first team and and the rest of the squad, bit of a difference there. So that I mean that the players they've got, your your Damari Grays and your Andros Townsend, have come in and have done well, but they probably need a break now. And you, you know you probably need something else. But Watford, they're a strange side, Arvin Sidhu. Um, if you've got five goals in your locker for an away game, I mean, suddenly you look at the table, they're, they're extremely safe. I mean, you, you, you first of all, you ask, why did they even sack Munoz? And you know what I mean? Um, what's the problem here? Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird because when you think about it, Joshua King, who got a hat-trick, was at Everton. Played 11 never years. got a goal, never right? Got a, ne- never got a goal. 
never got a goal. And then he comes and he plays against Everton here and he gets a hat-trick. Another really incredible stat that I've heard, Paul Watford, the last five away games that they won are all with five different managers. That's incredible. All the way back to Nigel Pearson. You've got Nigel Pearson, you've got Isco Munez, you've got Ranieri, you've got Sanchez Flores. So it just shows that the nature of the club, you, you don't know what you're going to get. And that kind of fits with how Ranieri is as a manager as well, because you know that on times he can be absolutely brilliant. And then on the other times it could be a relegation battle. He struggled at Fulham, but he did really well at Sampdoria. So it's really a question of which Ranieri you're going to get. On this evidence, obviously, you cannot evaluate them when they played Liverpool. Liverpool will steamroll anyone right now on the form that they are on. But on this evidence, if he gets one win out of two, one win out of three, the Watford fans will be more than happy because he'll keep them up. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, for me, it's it's a very mixed bag with Watford, but it's nice because you go into a, each game not knowing how they're going to perform. Uh, but the fans will be really happy with what he's done so far. I mean, Joshua King was good. Um Emmanuel Dennis played well Emmanuel as well. Dennis was very good, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Ismail Saar was good as well. Um, ben Godfrey and Michael Keane just looked like they were given a horrid time at the back. So overall, fans would be happy with this performance. Craig Wilkie, how does a Liverpool fan feel about what's going on uh, across the the Mersey uh, with, with Everton? I mean, obviously you, you don't really care that much, I guess, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, you you feel Rafa's good manager. He's proven that at every club he's been to. So you know he's gonna get the best out of this this Everton side. But they're struggling and they struggle at times, don't they? And, and, and it turns out like like this: uh, five two five at home home defeat. Yeah, it, it was such a bizarre game. And you know, on the Benitez question, I think it's maybe a sign of how the game has moved on that there, there really hasn't been that much fuss about him coming in and taking over at Everton. I think, you know, is it the Liverpool fans don't care or is it just that, you know, we have Klopp, so we're not so worried about, yeah. you know, who might, who might be managing Everton or, or whoever else. But I do agree with Cam that it was a very un-Benitez-like performance. You know, he had put such a pride on defensive shape and defensive they crumbled and they just yeah, crumbled they, they, they really did so it, i mean it's a combination of a lot of things it and everton while they played well at in spells this season they've tended to be undone by individual defensive errors and yeah. that was the case again in this yeah. game and i think it went a little bit beyond that because collectively there was a bit of uncertainty across that defense and then there's the mentality when you go up twice at home against a team that you would probably be expected to beat you've got to find a way to if not see that out then then at least remain competitive all the way until till 90 minutes and the late collapse was was really shocking I mean okay they might have been pushing forward in order to try and get something back themselves but to leave to leave the defense as open as it was was quite incredible and and the goals that were good goals from Watford were were just a disaster defensively and they've been conceding a lot of goals from set pieces as well and that will be a concern for Benitez so as Cam mentioned, a lot of work to be done on the training ground, but we know that Rafa loves that. So he'll probably have had them back in early in the morning the next day, and they can expect some, some long days and nights before next weekend, I imagine. Massive scorelines in the EPL this weekend. 5-0 for Liverpool, 7 for Chelsea against Norwich, 4-1 for City against Brighton, and 5-2 for Watford. It was only 1-1 between Leeds United and Wolves, but uh, Wolves' cameras line... Must must uh, must must fast becoming one of your favorite teams to watch. Uh, Huang Hee Chan now has what four goals in six matches since his loan move. Not a bad signing, eh? Uh, yeah, and uh, it. I mean, it was a bit of a topo, wasn't it? But uh, still, he was there. Uh, remi- uh, what's exciting for me actually is that uh, we've mentioned bef- a few weeks ago that his nickname is in in career is Bull because uh, Huang So means bull. And and of course that reverberates right back to was it the eighties with yeah, uh, Stephen Bull. Bull. So yeah. I I hope that Wolves fans are, are resurrecting their old um, uh, chance for, for bully bully bully. And uh, no, I I'm enjoying Wolves actually, and I and I I like their style. I like their style. I like Brentford's style. I think there are certain similarities with their physicality, um, and uh, I would hope that they uh, carry on. I am getting very worried for Leeds. And 
it's a kind of a fundamental worry in that have they been found out? Are they getting tired? They do have a lot of injuries, a lot of missing personnel. But I, I, I wonder if Arvin is sleeping well at night or, or sort of curling up to his Marcello um, uh, scarf we've got right next to him and uh, <laughs> sort of crying. Well, Wolves were heading for their fourth successive top flight win for the first time since 1972. But uh, Leeds, well, um, Joe Gelhardt is, is 19 years old, brought on, brought on by, by Marcello Bielsa. Do you think, Arvin, that could be the answer? I mean, when he came on, it was a breath of fresh air. He, he ran at people. Even the way the, 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 the equalizer came about, it was all him. He turned, he ran into the box, and he got taken down. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Bielsa is not your go-out-and-buy players type of manager. I mean, should he be introducing more from, from the youth? Joe Gilhart has been talked about with Leeds for a couple of seasons now. When they, they, they got him away from Wigan, Wigan were up in arms because it was less than a million. There's a lot of talk that he's built like a young Wayne Rooney. He, the, the boy can really, really play. It's a very exciting future that Leeds have with him. Uh, but back to Cam's question. Uh, last week, I slept. I didn't sleep well at all. I probably didn't get any sleep after the Southampton game because it was absolutely horrible. But this week was the old Leeds back. If Leeds performed the way that they did, like they did when they beat Watford, uh, to be honest, the only chance that Wolves had was the Wang Chihan Topok. That's it. Leeds otherwise totally, totally outplayed them. So if Leeds play the way that they do like this, and with Calvin Phillips coming back and Bamford coming back, um, there is a sense of consolidation now. Uh, Liam Cooper played well, and Lorente at the back was good as well. So as long as that starts coming in, I think Leeds will be fine on the, on the showing that they did. But it still doesn't take away the fact that it's only one win so far. But it would have been criminal for Leeds to have lost that game. But Joe Gilhart is will not be introduced right away by Bielsa. He will be a wild card off the bench because he still has that trust in the season pros like Bamford and Rodrigo. And that, that penalty for Rodrigo is probably the most important kick of lead season so far. This if he had missed that, it would have been it would have been a lot of pressure on the club to score. And you could see what it meant to him with that celebration. Do you know what? So with, 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 form on. with penalties, I reckon you need to be bravest to decide to put it down the middle. Yeah. You know, for, for me, it's easy, it's easier yeah. to choose a side and then go for it. But when you decide, yeah. right, I'm gonna shove this right down the middle, straight slap bang in the middle, that, that takes some cojones for me. Um, bad news for Leeds is that Rafinha had to be helped down the tunnel. Um, they they don't want their playmaker sideline for, for any time at all. Um, all right, we're gonna take another break there. Uh, stay tuned, we come back with more of the weekend's action. He went left, he went right, he jinked that way, he jinked this way, and then he hits a low right-footed shot into the corner of the Burnley net. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Astonishing! The ultimate steal! How have they gone and done that? Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Cam Raslan, Arvin Sidhu, Craig Wilkie joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's football. Uh, do follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. On our Facebook page, more often than not, you will find fantasy football tips provided by our friends, FPL, or the Banger Committee or FPL bangers, they're known on Twitter. Um, also, take part in our BFM Fantasy League this season, brought to you by my-soccer.com. Go there and buy your Ole In Man United replica kits. Long sleeve. <laughs> um, let's move on and talk about the London derby between West Ham and Spurs. David Moyes, Cam Raslan, says that this West Ham club is blossoming. Um, this we're drawing parallels now. David Moyes during his heyday at Everton, what he did for that club. You can now say he's doing for West Ham. He seems to be now doing it on a consistent basis. Uh, he's got a good squad of players there. Yeah, but is it is it? I th yes, good good squad of players, and they're playing. Uh... A, a decent uh, kind of generic football. Des last week was saying that what he does is he has the players play on the front foot, as it were, pushing slightly higher than, than uh, and, and, and causing pressure on the others. But I wonder if, as with Everton back in the day, he's um, 
he's actually benefiting from the the the, the falteringness of the likes of Spurs and Man United. And so the fight for fourth is open. And a team that can be just less inconsistent than, than the others uh, can take that spot because um, they're not setting the world on fire. But I, what I'm interested in is Antonio and the likes of Antonio, other players in the, the Premier, Lukaku, etc., who are um, big physical players, can use to be the... the the, the messies of this world would lead you to victory, but actually we're sort of returning to to uh, big players, really. And uh, that's interesting for me. As a defender, it must be a nightmare to come up against Mikel Antonio. Just, just the sight of him, Arvin, would scare the heck out of me. I mean, Christian Romero cost £47 million for Tottenham. He's He would have had a few bad nightmares about that, that Antonio meeting. He didn't come out smelling of roses. No, he didn't. A few of the Spurs players did it. I thought Harry Kane was one step forward last week, two steps back this week. Yeah. Uh, he, he final ball was lacking. Didn't come. Didn't did cover himself in glory when Antonio scored because he was part of the the result that led to the goal in the first place. Emerson Royal, I thought, had probably his poorest game in the Spurs shirt. But it's such a Spursy thing to do, right? We talk about that notion of Spursy. He goes and rests the eleven against Vitesse Arnhem. They lose that game because he's going to bring those players up to play against West Ham, and then they lose that game as well. So it's it, sometimes it spurs, and with Nuno, it doesn't help that when you lose the games against your London rivals. He's lost against Crystal Palace, he's lost against Chelsea, he's lost against Arsenal, and now he's lost against West Ham. The Spurs faithful would not be happy with that because those games mean a lot to a Spurs fan. And I don't get sometimes Nuno. He, he'd come out after the game and he had said that we were the better team. They didn't have a single shot on target in the second half. I, I don't I, I really don't get how sometimes managers analyze that. So overall, um they 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 will have this yo-yo up and down season, but at the end of it, it just creates the likes of Harry Kane again in limbo to wonder what exactly am I doing here? And maybe a few of the Spurs players are feeling that way. Christian Romero was one of the best defenders in Serie A last season, but he's come with a huge price tag and he needs to start justifying that. Yeah, and you come into this Spurs side, but I mean, Craig, this was a Classic example of momentum means a lot in football. Uh, Moyes basically played his same starting eleven uh, as they did in the Europa Conference on Thursday, whereas, as we heard Arvin said, Nuno rested the entire eleven. They came in supposedly fresher, but no, momentum means a lot, doesn't it? It does, and it's been true of West Ham for most of the season, actually, that I think Moyes has quite a clear idea of who his first choice 11 is. And when those players are fit, he will trust in them and he will rely on them. And of course, at times he's had a couple of injuries. Joe Antonio was out for a little bit. But when he's back in, as you mentioned earlier, just that prowess he gives you up front and he unsettles defenders just, just by being there. And you, you can always look to him as an outlet. And even I felt that you know, some of the players who have clicked for them at times this season, Ben Rama or Bowen, they actually had quite quiet games. So this was more of a game that, that West Ham had to dig out a little bit. Yeah. It was built on the, the kind of Rice-Suchek axis in midfield of just, just trying to keep a hold of things and, and keep the game ticking over. And there's a certain belief now coming about West Ham. You know, they were up in the higher echelons of the league for long spells of last season. And we wonder how they would respond to it this season when they, they kind of fell away a little bit. But credit to Moyes and those players that he's got them believing again that they can be up there you know, and, and without even, I don't think they've hit their very top heights yet this season. I think there's still more to come from this, this West Ham starting 11. And to be where they are right now and, and to have that belief that even against Spurs, who might not be at their best, but they're still not an easy side to, to play against and to break down, um, that they just kept playing and they felt as though those chances would come. And they created a few things. They definitely deserved the three points over the course of the 90 minutes. And when you've got Antonio in that form, that confidence... You'll always have a chance. He took the goal well. As Arvin said, I don't think Kane covered himself in glory when he was marking him for the corner coming in. But three great points and, and West Ham will go on with a lot of confidence from this. Yeah, the Hammers will be eyeing a third successive league win when they visit Aston Villa next Sunday. Spurs can get back on the winning track. They face Man United next weekend. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Brentford won. Leicester 2 was quite a, quite a good match to watch. It was... Good quality football, but 
Okay, man, I mean, cliche, you feel for Brentford, don't you, Cam? Because last week and this week, last week they played Chelsea. Then they, 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 they played really well, lost again against Brentford. Played really well, got, did really well to get themselves back into it. But again, nothing to show for it. Do you reckon this eats away players' confidence? Does, does it, I mean, the next game, you can't really blame them if they come up, can't, can't be bothered, right? Uh, yeah, but how um, a strike like Tillemans uh, against you? That was um, uh, a great strike, and uh, that would unsettle you. But then also, then you know, Leicester are a really fabulous counter-attacking team, and slice them open. I, I think that Brentford didn't really do anything wrong here, and um, yeah, they they got beaten rightly but uh if they continue playing their style they they will get enough successes to be able to get a good mid-table ending to their season and that that is a victory they're not going to be going for champions league no one expects that and uh they're on target they're doing just fine brentford are are nicely predictable and i'll try and explain that by saying that um when they went one down you just knew they were going to come back into it then you knew that every single player was going to put everything on that pitch into getting back into it. And they did. So they're nicely predictable. But then Leicester have a bit of know-how, both the Leicester goals. I mean, we talk about Mo Salah starting his personal goal of the season collection, Arvin. But uh, Yuri Tielemans has got two in two weeks now. And they're both, I think this one is the nicest one. If you look at it again, how he arrowed that into that, that it just it went side netting, you know, from that angle. Yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me at the end of it. The Leicester fans were singing, sign him up to a new contract because uh, Brendan Rodgers had to come out and say that he's not rejected a new contract yet. On this showing, Leicester will, it'll be hard for Leicester to hold on to a talent like Yuri Tillemans because he can play for, for literally any of the big squads in, in Europe. And he's been talked about a lot, long time since his days in AS Monaco as well. He was someone that was always very, very highly thought of. Uh, but when he came to the Premier League, there were concerns about his size, his concerns about his level of strength. But he really just dictates play. If he's not scoring worldies like that, he's putting in through balls for, 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 for the strikers. Um, so overall, yeah, you're right. I think you, that's spot on. Leicester used the experience that they know in the Premier League to, to overcome this. Because Brentford were literally superior in literally almost every sense. Leicester had so little possession of the ball, but they still came away and they won the game. Brentford yeah. had more shots on the goal. Bomo had a chance. Ivan Tony had a had a hitter, had a disallowed goal. So you feel sorry for Brentford, but if you continuously play that view, the way that you're playing, more often than not, you will get the results that you do. So they should be fine on that showing. But let's just use the experience. And they're slowly turning their corner compared to a shaky start at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um they they they've got they've got talent when they attack as well. Dakar is in red hot form. Madison's had a couple of good games now after a slow start to the season. Remember, he was benched for six games, which says a lot about how Brendan Rodgers, Craig Wilkie, is actually a good coach. Often the butt of jokes. I mean, you know, um, we, we, we make fun of him, but, uh, you know, the, the envelopes and, and the portrait of himself, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a good coach. He makes players better. Yeah, that's, that's the sign of a good coach, right? You can work with the existing squad that you have and can you see improvement in those players? And almost every club that Rodgers has been at, you can say that of the work that he's done. And it's definitely true of Leicester. Albeit, as Arvin has said, that they've been up and down this season. There's not been a consistent level of performance. And even, I, I don't think they were, they were particularly good at Brentford. And a, lot of, a lot of credit to, for that goes to Brentford themselves. But just that little bit of quality, Madison, as you mentioned, who's another player who's been struggling for form, can just come up with, you know, it's the timing of the run. It's those little things yeah. that, that make the difference. You know, managing to keep yourself on side in, in really tight situations. Uh, you know, Vardy, of course, I captained Vardy for my fantasy team, so it, he, he suffered this week's curse. Um, so it, it was inevitable that he wouldn't score. <laughs> As my son, my son, watching <laughs> watching the United game next to me, said I should have triple captain Salah Dad, this weekend. Well, that's, that's 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 very true. But I think the the concern for Rogers will still be in that defence. Um, I'm I'm not convinced by Son Chu very much. Yeah. And Schme Schmeichel's been in great form, but he's he's had to be in great form because there's not been a whole lot of solidity in front of him. 
And and I just feel that they they still concede a lot of chances. They concede a lot of big chances. And and Brentford could arguably should have scored one or two more goals actually. And then then Leicester really would have been up against it. So yes, some progress, but still a lot for Rogers to be working on over the next few weeks. I think. Yeah, and Brentford, just carry on doing what you're doing. I think that's the message. Uh, all right, then, final break. We will be back to close up the weekend's football and look forward to the midweek Carabao Cup. Absolutely magnificent. Well, that is a thing of beauty from a man right on top of his game. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Perfect distance. His left foot is an absolute wand. The technique is exceptional. Guaita, no chance. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cameron Aslan, Arvin Sidhu, Craig Wilkie joining me to just wrap up the, the weekend's football. Arsenal were involved in a Friday night match. At 3-1 winners against Aston Villa. Cam, Emil Smith-Rowe looks a decent young player. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, no, he was good. He was good. Arsenal, kind of lucky. Um, some of those goals were kind of lucky. The the the, the penalty, uh, there was penalty, wasn't there? Anyway, I don't know. I I wasn't. I'm, you know, I've been a strong believer in the the plan or whatever they call it with this uh, Arteta thing, and uh, I know I don't know. I Arsenal, I, they were kind of lucky. I mean, I guess if they can just continue on this streak, uh, who really cares about Arsenal these days? Not me. Trust the process. Trust the process. That's then, the thing. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The the Mikel Arteta um, process, Arvin. It, I mean, it's it's bearing fruit. I mean, they they they're undefeated now for for a run of games. Uh, a couple of draws last time out. This is a good win against Villa. We said on Friday this one would be a big big result to get a win. Uh, for Aston Villa, it's exactly the opposite. Uh, it's a damning result for them. It is, but you look at it this way. You, you're right on. They're, they're, they're the third longest unbeaten team in the Premier League after Liverpool and Man City. Whatever you say, I mean, obviously they might have had a bit of an easier stretch of games, but they still had to play those teams. And I think the key part for Arsenal is having those experienced heads come back into the squad. They finally have a settled back four. Uh, Tomiyasu, Ben White, uh, Gabriel, and, and Ida Tierney or Nuno Tavares at the left back. Thomas Partey is finally showing why they bought him. And Pierre Aubameyang as well is playing more of a responsible figurehead at the top. Nice layoffs to Emil Smithrow, who there was an interesting quote over the weekend. I think it was by Gary Neville. But Emil Smithrow is the best runner of the ball in the Premier League. And I think he is because the, the, the boy can just run and run and he typically always ends up with a goal and an assist. So, so Arsenal are showing good progress as they keep, keep going along. It's just always the question when the spanner is thrown into the works, how do they recover from it, right? That's always the question with them. But so far, so good. Um, Villa, I, I was very surprised that the lineup was unchanged from last week when they threw it away at Wolves. You would expect Dean Smith to make some changes. It was the exact same lineup. Two losses in a row. There are a lot of fans that are not happy with his recent 3-5-2 system. And the likes of Axel Twanzebe, another bad showing. John McGinn didn't play well. When John McGinn doesn't play well, that's when it's concerning. And the one that Villa fans are really unhappy about, 38 million for Emilia Bundia, still not showing up for Villa. So mm. there's a few things that Dean Smith needs to fix on his side. Yeah, maybe Villa should start to worry now after many predicted them for a, a really good season. Um, it was a 2-2 draw between Southampton and Burnley. Uh, Crystal Palace and Newcastle was also a draw. It was a 1-1 draw. And I understand, Craig Wilkie, the Premier League are investigating Crystal Palace fans for a banner they put up. Actually, it was quite funny, I thought. It, if you've seen the, the, the banner, it's the cartoon caricature uh, of, of the Premier League fit owners, uh, fit and proper owners test. And it had all the boxes ticked, like beheading, killings, and all that kind of... So the Premier League are investigating them. But I mean, this Newcastle revolution, it's going to take time. Fans can't expect results. It's still predominantly the same squad of players. And even when January comes around, you can't just throw money around. You need to invest properly, right? They need to have plans. Exactly. And I'm sure they will have plans. I, I don't think that's that's going to be the issue. But even when you have money to spend, it's still going to take time to do it. You, you're going to have to convince players to come. I mean, players know that Newcastle now are sitting on a lot of money. 
But the managerial appointment now is going to be huge. Is it going to be a kind of bridging manager, which will take Newcastle from where they are to somewhere much closer to, to where I'm sure the ambition is? Or are they going to go all out and try and bring in an absolutely huge managerial name that will kick off the whole thing a lot quicker if they could get someone in at that level? Now, I don't know who that might be, but I'm sure that's part of the discussion that's, that's being had right now. And, and what we can say for sure is that most of those players in that Newcastle squad and that Newcastle team will not be part of the long-term plans. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there, there needs to be a, a big investment in quality. But I just want to say a little word about Steve Bruce. You know, there was an interview with him in one of the English newspapers over the weekend, and it just showed the, the human side of, of what it is to be a manager. And he was talking about how difficult it's been for him, for his family, you know, the pressure that he's been under the entire time, you know, so many people willing him to fail. Horrible so abuse. People, so, so many people criticizing him in, in, in really harsh and frankly unfair ways. And, and, you know, he kind of half jokingly said, well, I think this is it for me now. You know, I don't really need to do this anymore. But then, of course, if, if a chairman calls me up, then it'll be hard to resist the lure, you know. But um, I think sometimes we have to remember that, that these people, you know, they, they, they just get, get out of bed in the morning and, and try and do their job like, like the rest of us. And, yep. you know, he's, he did an okay job at times at Newcastle and, 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 and not in easy circumstances throughout the entire time that he was there. So I wish him well, whether it's in retirement or at the next club that he, that he gets to. And let's just wait and see who replaces him at Newcastle. That's going, to be, that's going to tell us so much about what will happen over the next 12 to 18 months, I think. Steve Bruce scored 19 goals in a, in a single season in the 2003-2004 season from centre-back mm. for Man United. I was mm. there for two of them when he, when he put past Sheffield Wednesday at Old Trafford. It was, yeah, he was a different class defender. Um, and, and yeah, uh, Craig's absolutely right. Uh, Steve Bruce, if you choose retirement, may you enjoy it. And if you choose to come back and put yourself through this whole thing again, we will support you. <laughs> Carabao Cup round of 16 happening over Wednesday and Thursday morning, our time. Uh, I, I know, Cam, you put a lot of interest. You, you're out practically watching every single one of them. Oh, uh, the every minute. Yeah. Every minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea against Southampton. I mean, Chel Thomas Tuchel can just mix and match here, change it all around. And you know you'll get a performance from Chelsea. It's probably bigger for Southampton, this, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we got the Carabao Cup is always, especially in the early stages, is which team wants to lose it less? Uh, I, don't, I don't think Southampton want to be involved in this. Leeds also, I don't think they want to be involved. But having said that, Marcello Bielsa will go for everything. But uh, it's such a distraction. I really hate this competition so much. There's too much football as it is. Which 11 is Nuno going to put out for Tottenham when they travel to Burnley? <laughs> on Thursday. Arsenal versus Leeds could be interesting, Arvin. Um, you know, Arteta's Arsenal, they're on a good run of form at the moment, so I'm sure they want to carry that on. And similarly, you know Bielsa and, and his mindset with, with this Leeds side. He'll want improvement in every game. And uh, this will be important. The players will treat this as important. It'll be two full-strength sides, I reckon, going out there. Quite tricky with Leeds because they're still you're still missing like so Robin Koch and Luke Ayling and Junior Firpo. Rafina, like we know, took a knock, but he did come on and say it's not a serious knock. Bamford will be missing. I'll be surprised if he throws Calvin Phillips into it. Because they think all eyes will be on Norwich on Sunday. That's a big one for Leeds. They they they, they, they need to they need to win that one. But with Arsenal, they've got a bit more strength in depth. You expect Ainsley Maitland Niles, Martinelli, but I know probably start in goal as well. Rob Holding, Nicholas Pepe, you know how much of money they spent on him. So Arsenal do have the edge on this, but with the leads and the youngsters, like you saw with um with uh Jim with uh what's it Joe Gerhard over the weekend, mm -hmm. there are other youngsters that are very good as well. Charlie Charlie Cooper at the back is a, is an excellent Charlie Cresswell at the back is an excellent defender as well. So the the youngsters will come in, but the experience of Arsenal and being at the Emirates probably will tell them and they'll probably get through. In my opinion. Well, the standout tie probably of this round of 16 is West Ham against Man City. That one is Thursday, 2.45 a.m. Uh, I, I think Moyes will take it seriously uh, because, you know, he's going to smell the chance of a trophy. And, and 
he's he's wily enough uh, and and savvy enough, David Moyes, to know that the next stage stage for this this West Ham progression, if he can bring a trophy into West Ham this season, any trophy, wow. Uh, Liverpool are away at Preston, 2.45 a.m. Thursday. Chance to see Minamino and 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 Origi and, and all the other guys, Craig Wilkie. But uh, Liverpool are so well coached at the moment. As a fan, let me ask you, do you, do you think, you know what, I only want a clean sweep this season? And that includes the blinking Carabao Cup. Well, I know Cam has been a lifelong fan of the Carabao Cup, as, as he's been a lifelong fan of so many teams. But <laughs> I, you know, Klopp has some form when it comes to this in terms of, you know, he's played the under-15 side at times. We know that maybe he doesn't take the, the tournament as, as seriously as I'm sure David Moyes will, for example, as, as you were mentioning. But even if you send your under-15 side out, you still want to win. You, know, you still want those players to have that experience. You want them to go through to the next round and, and get another game out of it. And, and those, you know, the whole point of all this investment that those huge clubs have made was supposed to be around, you know, having squad that can compete on every front, whether that's Champions League, Premier League or domestic cup competitions. So some of the players that you mentioned will no doubt come in. Maybe one or two others that, that need a little bit more game time. You might still have one or two of the first team regulars just to give it that little bit of, of experience and, and extra quality. And it should be enough against Preston, of course. Um, but it's it's the same when it comes to Everton. I think these clubs, you know, or sorry, West Ham, that it's all about the mentality. Every yeah. single game. You, you think back to Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson, and he might not have taken the, the League Cup as seriously as, as some other tournaments, but the whole point is you're representing this football club. You're going to go out, and the expectation is that you win. It doesn't matter which 11 we put on the field. It doesn't matter who the opposition is. It's still expected is. to win. That, that is it. And, that, and that's the mentality. You know, when you look at what Moyes is trying to do at, at somewhere like West Ham, it's not just about coach those players to be better. It's about creating that mindset for them. And so that's why games like that are important. And Cam's also right. that There's a lot of football now. Players, there's a lot of demands on their, their bodies and, you know, the, over, over the course of a long, hard season. But they can handle that. And so I expect some interesting games this midweek. Yeah, Leicester versus Brighton. You've got QPR against Sunderland. Stoke City against Brentford are, are the other round of 16 ties. Um, Man United fans, uh, well, and players can probably just sit back and, 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 and you know, throw back to the memory of the Sunday's game a bit more uh, and, and maybe get some coaching in during the week. That might help. <laughs> that's it for now we're out of time enjoy the football during the week we'll be back on Friday to talk more football for now I've got to say thanks to Cam Raslan I hope you recover Ross uh, yeah I'm going to find myself a nice little island somewhere and you know <laughs> Arvin Sidhu thank you thank you everyone and a good shout out to Real Madrid winning the Classico over Barcelona that was a big one as well that was the only score prediction I got right over the weekend uh, Craig Wilkie <laughs> thank you so much have a great week Likewise, have a good week all. Yep, bye-bye. And that is a super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the Ball, every Monday at 8pm on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.